Hello, my friends, and welcome to Easter Sunday. Easter, the resurrection, the pinnacle moment of our faith. We celebrate each year the resurrection of Jesus, the defeat of sin, the ability now to have an intimate connection with God for eternity in the name of Jesus. Let me read to you from Matthew 28, starting in verse 1. After the Sabbath, as Sunday morning was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake. An angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled the stone away, and sat on it. He appeared like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The gods were so afraid that they trembled and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, You must not be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's been raised, just as he said. Come here and see the place where he was lying. Go quickly now and tell his disciples he has been raised from death, and now he's going to Galilee ahead of you. There you will see him. Remember what I've told you. Okay. What brought Jesus to the cross? What caused Jesus to live the life that he lived and endure the cruelty of the crucifixion? Well, you know the answer, and the Bible is very clear about this. It was our sin that caused this. The word for sin in the Greek means several things. It means to be without a share in something, to miss the mark, to err or be mistaken, to miss or wander from the path of uprightness and honor, to do and go wrong, and finally to wander from the law of God to violate God's law. It is our sin that disconnected us from God in the first place. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, Romans 3, 23, Paul wrote that we all fall short of God's glory because of our sin. In Romans 6, 23, Paul stated that the price of our sin is continued separation for as long as we let sin reign in our lives. Now, this could be for a short time or for an eternity. That choice is ours. Jesus was the only answer to the sin in our lives. In Hebrews 10, 10, we have the heart of Jesus regarding our sinful state. Paul wrote, because Jesus Christ did what God wanted him to do, we are all purified from sin by the offering that he made of his own body once and for all. That includes you and me. Let's talk about the presence and the power of sin. And let's understand the presence and power of sin in the life of the believer and in the life of the non-believer before we go on. Sin has its presence in this world regardless of what our opinion of it is. Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, before going into the garden, that we be protected from sin rather than have us removed from its presence. Sin is all around us all the time. It's the power of sin we're going to see that has been taken away by Jesus' resurrection. Jesus prayed also during that prayer in John 17 that we would be protected from its power and its effects. This means that sin has an effect on all, and those who are in Christ can be protected from its effects. The effect it has, however, is extremely different for believers than for non-believers. For the non-believer, sin is a way of life. Think about your life before you ask Jesus to come into it. It was a way of life that is not usually recognized as something that is wrong or dangerous. That was my case. I did things back in the day that I would never even think of doing now. I thought nothing wrong of them. 
I had nothing to compare them to until I asked Jesus to come into my life. Romans 6.12 states that the non-believer is ruled by sin, quote-unquote. Romans 6.14 states that if we're not under God's grace, then sin is our master, quote-unquote. For the believer, though, sin becomes a spiritual irritant in the reality of a redeemed person. Romans 6.22 states that receiving the free gift of salvation sets us free from the rule and power of sin and produces eternal life the power and the consequence of sin are destroyed in the life of the believer because of the work that Jesus did on the cross, because of the fact that that work was to take the sin away and resurrection was to fully defeat the power of sin for us. So sin for the believer is now a spiritual choice rather than an uncontrollable action. We've been removed from the kingdom of darkness and its control, we see in Colossians 1, And we've been given a new self covered with Jesus' righteousness. So when we choose to sin, we choose to resurrect the old sinful selves that we once were before Jesus went to the cross. In this case, we exchange the covering of Jesus' righteousness that God now sees when he looks at us for our old rags of sin. Let's talk about the origin and purpose of sin. Sin entered our human race back in the days of Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. The second chapter of Genesis describes the creation of the first two people and the beauty and provisions around them in the garden. Now, we don't know how long they walked within the beauty and provision here. We don't know how long they enjoyed this incredible relationship with God before Genesis chapter 3 began. With the introduction of the serpent in chapter 3 into the garden, sin which had not yet affected our humanity, which had not yet infected our humanity, was also introduced. The intimate and loving relationship that the first people had with God was severely and deeply severed. Now, this would be like the cutting off of the umbilical cord, separating a baby from his or her mother's life-giving life support. This is like the branch being severed from the vine in Jesus' analogy in John chapter 15. This separation from God, it's not a physical problem, it's a spiritual problem. And so no physical solution can reconnect the human spirit to God. And this is a source of confusion for many. We sometimes think that we can create or better our relationship with God by using our abilities. It could be using our reason, our strength, our wisdom, A lot of people like to use philosophy. Even religion can be used falsely in this case. Scripture is very clear about how we can make sure that our lives are spiritually fulfilling and intimately connected to God. It is by asking Jesus to come into our lives. It is by allowing the indwelling Holy Spirit at that point to lead our lives, to trust him. Well, let's talk about God's plan for our salvation then. This is Easter Sunday. And yes, I'm going to enjoy my jelly beans this afternoon. But that's not what this day is all about, is it? The most powerful and purposeful manifestation of God's power was shown on this day almost 2,000 years ago. The cross took Jesus' life. And those who were non-believers celebrated that he was dead. And, And here's something that just baffles me. Satan apparently believed that he had defeated Jesus by getting him onto the cross, 
Did Satan not understand that Jesus had to go to the cross to become our perfect substitute, to become our perfect sacrifice? Did Satan not understand that only Jesus could take upon himself the incredible burden of our sin? And sin is so terrible in God's eyes that he was willing to sacrifice his son to remove it from our lives on that cross. God sent God to the cross to die for us. So how do we respond to sin in our lives today if we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior? Well, the question is, do we wrestle with sin as Paul did? We see in Ephesians 6 and verse 12 that Paul wrestled with sin. The word wrestle in the Greek means a contest between two. Now this two here is going to be sin in ourselves. In which each endeavors to throw the other, in which is decided when the victor is able to hold his opponent down with his hand upon his neck. The intention here is to bring into submission the opponent. Again, it's either sin or it's us. Do we engage in this battle to bring sin to submission in our lives? If we do, then it's only to conquer sin in our own lives. We're supposed to do this, and we're supposed to conquer the temptations that we get so that we can stay faithful and true to God. When I do that, I conquer that sin in my life, but I can't do it in your life. Jesus died to conquer the sins of every life by absorbing all of our sin onto his body at the same time, according to Mark chapter 15. He endured this most intense and spiritually horrifying ordeal to defeat the sin that we had in our lives and to defeat the power of that sin and to remove sin and the scars and stains of sin from our lives. In order for this plan of God's to be accomplished, Jesus could not stay dead in that tomb. If he stayed dead as the Jewish leaders tried to get the people to believe, that's a little bit later in Matthew 28, then what we're doing doesn't make any sense. Then I'm wasting your time and you're wasting mine. In order for God's plan for our salvation to become activated and real, Jesus must rise from the dead. Only with his rising could he return to his previous position of glory and power and leave behind our sin defeated and powerless. As I said at the beginning, the resurrection is the pinnacle moment in our history. With that one act, Jesus gave us the ability to restore our relationship with our Heavenly Father for eternity. The resurrection did what no human effort could ever do. Sin is a spiritual problem. It required a spiritual solution. Jesus' victory over sin on the cross and total destruction of it and total destruction of Satan's power in his resurrection, Jesus' resurrection, solved our spiritual problem of separation from God. All right, let's conclude. The Bible says only one who was without sin could become sin to remove sin from us. And of course, that one was Jesus. Only one who was unstained from sin's destructive powers could serve as our perfect substitute on the cross and purchase eternal life for us. Jesus secured for us a return to the intimate and loving union that humankind once had with God, going back to the Garden of Eden. And interestingly, only we can interfere with this union now. God's connection to us is eternal and powerful, but I can put a blip in there by backsliding. I can put a pause on that by telling God, I don't need you right now. Only we can interfere with this union now. Sin no longer controls us, but we can choose to allow sin back into our lives. 
But we have the assurance that God's faithfulness is everlasting. And his love is deeper than anything we can comprehend. God has given us the power to overcome sin and ward off temptation in Jesus' name and by walking in the Holy Spirit. There is power in the name of Jesus. So much power that during a period of temptation, which you'll recognize because the Holy Spirit will say, you're being tempted, using the name of Jesus is enough to end that temptation. Telling Satan to leave you in the name of Jesus is enough for him to leave because of the power of Jesus' name. Easter is the day of the resurrection, the day of our freedom from sin and return to the family of God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the purpose of this day. We thank you for Easter. We thank you for the resurrection. We thank you for securing for us all that you promised, bringing us the power and the presence of God through the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that we now will rise one day as Jesus rose. We thank you, Lord, that if we call on your name, we belong to you, not just today, not just on this earth, but in heaven for all of eternity. Help us, Lord, to meditate upon this. Help us, Lord, to understand this and to celebrate this in our lives so that others can see Jesus alive and well in us. We thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for your blessings. And we say these things in your holy name. Amen. All right, my friends. Enjoy this day. May God richly bless you.